You are listening to a podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate. Good morning, West Hill. Good morning, West Hill. Hi. Hi. My name's Deb, and I am assisting with the service this morning. Uh, And as we begin, we wish to acknowledge that we are on the territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations lands, which lands were previously occupied by the Seneca and Huron-Wendat First Nations. We are um, pleased and honored this morning to have a guest speaker, Dave Warnock. He'll be introduced by Greta a little bit later in the service, but welcome to you and your people. Grounded, Guided, Growing, A Time for Centering, from Scott Kearns. When we decided at West Hill to ground ourselves not in a particular book, a particular person, a particular tradition, uh, we chose to ground ourselves in life itself and all its interconnections. And that gives us something we could say we knew. We knew that life was interconnected. And then the next one was how should we live? And that was something, not that we know, but something we can choose. And I said can choose because it's an option. And we like to keep encouraging ourselves and each other to choose that option in as many ways as we can, to live lovingly in that interconnected life. And then, so that's something I know, something I choose, but something I need is wisdom to do that better, and that's where we share together and share beyond these walls anything we can learn to help us love more effectively in this interconnected life. Focused Moments from Greta Bosper. Um, The focused moment uh, is a poem that I write every week, and I wrote an amazing poem for Dave and left it at home. (laughs) So later today, I might show up with it and read it. You're welcome to follow me around so you can hear that incredible text. (laughs) Instead, I'm going to read a poem that Dave has often used when he has shared his story of dying out loud. It's a poem by Mario Dandrade, a Brazilian author, a poet, music critic, um, art critic, uh, a gifted man who shares his reflections on what it means to recognize that you are not uh, in the first half of your life. My soul has a hat. I counted my years and realized that I have less time to live by than I have lived so far. I feel like a child who won a pack of candies. At first, he ate them with pleasure, but when he realized that there was little left, 
He began to taste them intensely. I have no time for endless meetings where the statutes, rules, procedures, and internal regulations are discussed, knowing that nothing will be done. I no longer have the patience to stand absurd people who, despite their chronological age, have not grown up. My time is too short. I want the essence. My spirit is in a hurry. I do not have much candy in the package anymore. I want to live next to humans, to realistic people who know how to laugh at their mistakes and who are not inflated by their own triumphs and who take responsibility for their actions. In this way, human dignity is defended and we live in truth and honesty. It is the essentials that make life useful. I want to surround myself with people who know how to touch the hearts of those whom the hard strokes of life have learned to grow with sweet touches of the soul. Yes, I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry to live with the intensity that only maturity can give. I do not intend to waste any of the remaining desserts. I'm sure they will be exquisite, much more than those eaten so far. My goal is to reach the end, satisfied and at peace with my loved ones and my conscience. We have two lives, and the second begins when you realize you have only one. It is an honor to have Dave with us today. Um, he's come from Tennessee to share his dying out loud message. Before the service began, I was at the back and I looked at the PowerPoint. It said living out loud. And I said, did you change that? And he said, no, it's dying out loud. I said, yeah, yeah, I know. But then when I picked up the piece of paper that we used to guide us uh, in the service, which I filled out, it says living out loud. And I think that is because what Dave is doing is living out loud. If you die out loud, you live out loud. And so the gift that he will bring us uh, will help to put some uh, layers in the intensity of that reality. Dave is a former evangelical pastor um, who came to the realization that his faith no longer held his life together and indeed made no sense whatsoever. And so he uh, left uh, that about three years ago. Uh, earlier this year, he got a diagnosis of ALS and decided that he wanted to uh, bring the real, uh, I want to say realness, but intensity of that diagnosis and the reminder that we are all dying uh, to audiences so that they could start living that second half, second life that they have as a result of that. 
I brought Dave here uh, this morning because we didn't need to go to the hospital after I ran over his foot with my car. Um, Just letting you know that. Uh, He says he's fine. Uh, I've told him we have to take the shoe off and actually look at the foot after the service. But I think that Dave would bring this message no matter what adversity he meets, um, that he will be speaking when speaking is so hard uh, that it means it takes twice as long for him to convey his thoughts. I'm sure that he will be present to so many who have questions about why, why fear, why not fear, why life, why not life, why people around you, why not people around you. Um, and as they sort their way through those questions, um, we'll come to know not just Dave, but themselves. Dave Warnock. Okay. Okay. So thank you for coming. <laughs> uh, we're going to play a clip. There's a little promo uh, that we have the privilege of seeing. It's which the, is um, video. It's a um, trailer for a documentary that we're working on. So we thought we'd show you that. It kind of gives an overview of what I'll be talking about. To get a phone call is kind of like, oh, what's up? Um, you know, why are you calling? Yeah, there must be more than just chatting on text. So I called and said, hey, I need to give you some news. And he could tell it was serious. And um, he said, what's up, Pop? And I said, um, I got diagnosed today with ALS. And he paused and said, ALS. And I said, Lou Gehrig's disease. And he said, oh my God, Dad. Jesus came along. He provided the answers. He provided a ready-made community. He provided, it's just like a plug-and-play system. Here's the book. Here's the instructions. Here's who you follow. Here's who you hang out with. And that's just appealing, you know, you go into a church service and it's rock and roll and and there's people smiling and hugging you. And and so, yeah, it's very enticing to someone who doesn't feel like he has many answers. I just ran out of reasons to believe in God and I really got tired of making excuses for his poor behavior. My pastoral ministry and the, the way that I went about it in loving people fully and completely probably became one of the biggest reasons why I had to leave Christianity. I've been getting responses and messages from people, um, former church members and people from way back 30 years ago. This one guy, initially he was just kind of seeing how you doing Dave, what's going on, that kind of thing, and we chatted back and forth a couple of times. And he, he basically said, It's disappointing because I know you used to be a man that would lead people to God and now you're leading people away from God. And if I was Jesus, I would have you die sooner. I was basically told I have three to five years to live. When I talk about dying as an atheist, I'm talking about that, the reality that I believe that once I close my eyes and turn out the lights, that's it. 
What that means by definition is that we have this one life. I think many Christians can't understand how we as atheists can have the same kind of community they have. We just don't have a, a deity attached to it, but we have the same kind of compassion and care and and kindness toward one another and generosity. All those qualities are still the same. We just don't need a God to do that. I know I'm going to die. I also know that it will affect those around me much more than it will me. And I want to leave them with as many good moments as I can. And carpe the fucking diem. Just kidding. I'm fine. Greta tried to get me in a wheelchair sooner than was going to happen, I guess, but I overcame. <laughs> she was traumatized more than me. Interestingly enough, the guy that um, in that clip sent me the message about he would have me die sooner if he was Jesus sent me another message this morning. Um, yeah, he's, he's really insisting that I... Um, come back to God or something. It was not as cryptic as that, but it was uh, it was more along the lines of, you know, um, something, a good happy thought or something that I didn't respond to. Um, yeah, I left my faith about, it was about eight years ago, actually. Um, three years ago, I rebooted my life um, and left, I left a marriage that wasn't working because my wife may, remained in the, in the evangelical faith that I found to be problematic on on many levels, um, and so that that song that we just did, that uh, I live, I, um, was kind of a, a little um, theme song of mine a few years ago. It was it became something that I grabbed a hold of and decided I was going to live my life. And that phrase at the end of the clip that I won't repeat because it had a a bad word in it. Um, and this is church. Uh, was was kind of a thing I started doing, uh, living that way, and and really really trying to no crying. Now we don't allow crying here in church, so just everybody, fuck it up. Um, I've been crying through the whole morning. This has been beautiful, and I'm really really glad to be here. By the way, um, I I, uh, I really began to live that way, uh, grabbing the moments of life, looking for how to make the most of whatever life I had left. At that time, I was 61 years old. I'm 64 now. And I thought maybe I've got 20, 25, 30 years to, to you know, really live life on my terms, write my own story outside the confines of evangelical Christianity, which seeks to, to impose all kinds of, of barriers and boundaries on you as a person and leaves you very little of your own voice. And so I'd finally found my voice and I'd finally found a way to live life, uh, the best the best life I could live. And I really was living it. And then, I'll be damned. ALS. And, and it just, <clears throat> it was out of the blue. I was healthy. I'm still healthy. I mean, from a distance, I look pretty healthy, right? Other than a broken foot. I'm really doing <laughs> wonderful. I'm, I'm really, I'm hammering that, aren't I, Greta? I'm sorry. <laughs> I met Greta. How long have we kind of known each other through Clergy Project? For several years. Other clergy project people, Wayne? There's a few. TCP, yeah. Um, 
when I left faith, uh, when I let go of Christianity, um, I didn't know anyone on the planet that I could connect with that would understand what I had experienced and what I'd gone through and the trauma and the disorientation that I felt. I, I, my whole life was wrapped up in that. And without that, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any idea what life was supposed to look like at that point. And so I've somehow stumbled upon, you know, you get on the Internet. And um, I can't imagine what I'd have done without the Internet back then. I just can't imagine. Um, so I found the clergy project. I became a member of that and then later was on the board up until just... Um, a few months ago, after the diagnosis, I resigned because I wanted to kind of free myself from any constraints and, and live. I wanted to live. Um, and I was doing a talk in a, a few weeks ago in, in outside Philadelphia, and um, uh, Lon Ostrander, the president of TCP, showed up unannounced and surprised me, and this was a thrill. Um, and that's, that was my entry into community. Because leaving Christianity, leaving uh, my evangelical community left me just kind of floundering and, okay, who, where are my people? Where, is my, where am I going to connect with other humans that get it, that get me? And TCP was my first entry into, into community that I could, that I could relate to and, and do life with. And then I gradually began to, to meet other um, ex-Christian atheists and agnostics and... Um, I drink a lot of water when I talk because I don't know why. Um, so I gradually was, was finding my voice and finding my life and finding my community. And then uh, the ALS diagnosis popped up uh, early this year, in February of this year. <clears throat> and I've been having symptoms looking back a little over a year. Uh, my symptoms are pretty much in my hands and arms. I can do, uh, I can still walk and talk and do the things and get around pretty well, but I'm starting to lose strength in my hands and arms and things, little daily things are becoming harder, harder to do and um, travel becomes more difficult. Every Life just becomes more difficult as you have any kind of, um, this would be equal to a disability. Um, and so I had to decide really quickly uh, upon that diagnosis, what, what was I going to do now? Because they really do give you three to five years to live. Um, uh, upon diagnosis. So I'm thinking, uh, this is a short window here. What do I want that to look like? And I, then I retired from the work I was doing and I moved out of my apartment in with friends, started selling things and giving things away and, um, and, and just kind of lightening my load and, and trimming the sails and <clears throat> decided I was going to travel as much as I could and, uh, and, and spend time with, with friends and, and family members who still accept me. Um, and do the things that I can do while I can do them, because I didn't know how long that was going to last. And what happened, though, um, is that I started talking about dying out loud. I started talking about facing death as an atheist, um, which is, is completely different than the view I once held, wherein after this life, there's another life. And this life is just a a dress rehearsal for the real life, the eternal life, the show. And this is just a preseason football game. It doesn't really matter. 
And what I found as I, I had already transitioned out of that mindset into the mindset that this life is the one we have. We, we only have this one life and we'd better make it count and we better maximize the moments and we, we need to be uh, living life full on with purpose and with intention. And I'd been attempting to do that and then this diagnosis really just caused me to press the accelerator down and go for it even harder. And I decided I was going to do that instead of just laying down and, okay, I'll just wait to die. Um, and so I started talking about these things, and this thing, dying out loud, kind of um, became a, a, a phrase that we use. Marie, my assistant, my manager, she does all my stuff. She's the one walking around with the camera. And then I've got, this is my team, and then my partner Bevan she's up here in the front row and we're traveling around doing these things <clears throat> so I started Marie got me on podcasts and started getting me connected I wanted to read just one message that I got shortly after starting to do these things just to give you an idea of what this started what started happening as I started talking about these things and it took me completely by surprise um, because I really wasn't expecting to um, launch a thing and to have t-shirts with my face on them, which we now have. Um, yeah, and Greta will be wearing one of those soon. <laughs> um, and it became, a, it became a... I started on these podcasts and shows I was doing, I started hearing from people all over the world that were inspired by what I was talking about. And to me, it, was, it took me by surprise because I, I didn't think what I was talking about was that big a deal. It was just me talking about how I'm looking at life and death. <clears throat> but this is a message I got a few months ago from a lady. Um, I'm not sure where. If my hands shake, it's not because I'm nervous. Um, it's because I have ALS, in case you forgot. Um, <clears throat> I, just, I don't get nervous. I don't know why. Um, I know you get these messages all the time. And this is in two parts, so I may have to... Yeah, bear with me. I know you get these messages all the time, but I want to join the masses and thank you for your words. I spent my whole life either a faithful believer or desperately seeking God. I needed something to make sense of all the horrible events in my life, something to make me better or worthy. <clears throat> for the last five years, I've had major depression. I stopped even trying three years ago. I hadn't spoken to anyone other than my children in years. I cut myself off from the world. Then I stumbled across you on YouTube. I've since been to every show I could find with you and any other atheist I could find. Seeing you dying out loud has inspired me in a way I never expected. In the past few months, I've listened to you, thought about you, and got my ass up and left my house. I know that doesn't sound like a major thing, but a year ago, I wouldn't ever leave and couldn't walk across my living room without my cane. Today, I got up and walked almost five miles and came home to listen to you again. It's not much, but in the grand scheme of things, I need to do. But it's a start, and I owe it to you. I see what you're facing. I'm a nurse, so I know it sucks. And it's badass to me that you continue to fight and make an impact. If there are any miraculous forces in the world, they are human beings. <sighs> like you. Who face the future without blinking 
Thank you for accepting my friend request. I hope you never forget the people out there that you've impacted. I'm so thankful. So, I don't read that to say, oh, look what I'm doing. What I'm, what I'm trying to, to convey is that, and this is just one of many that I've gotten, and, and it's, what, what I've learned, what I think I've learned is that people often struggle with just facing life as it is. And when it doesn't turn out the way we want it to, we can get sidetracked and and completely derailed, as she was. Uh, and oftentimes, all it takes is someone saying to us, "Hey, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Um, life is good. Life is beautiful." The the I uh, I've had many people, and, we're, and by the way, we're I think you know we're going to do a, a break here in a minute when I get tired of talking or you get tired of listening to me. And then we're going to eat some snacks and then have Q&A. So I want you to know I love Q&A. My favorite part of all these talks I do because I want to hear what you're thinking, what your questions are. And there's no question off limits. Trust me, I've had them all. Um, and and I'll, we can do that as long as you want because I really, really love it. Um, so if, you have, if you're thinking of things, stick around and we'll, we'll talk about some things about how I'm planning to die. Um... Things like that. Because um, I do have a plan for that, by the way. Um, and I don't live in Canada. I want to say also I apologize for the country <laughs> that's just to the south of you and the leadership that's currently there now. Um, I'm so sorry that we're like we are. And if it wasn't so cold here, I think I would join you. Because uh, um, I'm disgusted as with things as they are. Um, the idea of this life being all there is is troublesome to evangelical Christians. And that's another thing I've found out in the, in the past few months. There, uh, I get met questions and messages and people say, well, if, if this life is all there is, aren't you troubled by that? Uh, where do you find your meaning? What's, what, what is this life worth if this is all there is? And the, the several answers I have to that. And the first one is, why isn't this life enough? It's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and it's packed with all kinds of good things, all kinds of wonderful moments, and the idea that we need more than this, where did we get that? And I really think it's religion that brought that idea to us. That religion came along and said, we don't understand what's after death, so let's make something up. And I'm just telling you, I think that's what happened. Um... I don't need there to be more than this. This is quite wonderful enough if we seize it, if we seize the day, if we, if we maximize the moments. And the, the notion of an afterlife, the notion of this not being the only life, I think that causes us, like, like I mentioned in the clip you saw, to miss the fact that this life is what we have and it causes us to minimize this life and not make the most of it because these days don't really matter this month doesn't matter this moment doesn't matter there's all of eternity for that and dispelling that notion causes us to I think focus more on what we have right now so the message of dying out loud in essence is is 
And living out loud is really more what it's about, as Greta said. Because although I am dying, and in reality we all are, from the moment we're born, we're dying. I just happen to have a little bit more of a concise window into mine. I kind of happen to know what mine is going to look like as things go on. It's not, it's not going to look really good. It, it gets really ugly toward the end. Um, and, and so that's why I am in a hurry to live. Um, I'm in a hurry to make the most of every day. We, I, I live life hard, if you will. We, we went out last night. We had a meet and greet. Anytime we go to a, a location, we have a meet and greet and some people that may have connected with me online and stuff come out and see us. And so we, usually there's, um, drinks involved. And so, uh, last night was no exception to that. And we went to a little dive bar not far from here and it was a, it was a cool little place. And there was a waitress that was, was serving us and she, at some point, we've got these really cool business cards that we'll let you have if you really are nice. And they're, they've got a picture of an artist depiction, a guy in England that made it right there. If you turn around real quick, Marie's got one on. <coughs> so it's on the business card, and I think some, one of us had it, one of those shirts on last night. And um, yes, we have merch. We don't have a merch table here, but, you know, we're not a concert tour yet. Um, but the waitress said, hey, what are you guys, because we're Americans. I don't know if you picked up my accent. I've got a little bit of an accent. I'm not only from the States, I'm from the southern part of the States. So I'm told that you Canadians find my accent adorable. Is that true? Oh, I know how to elicit a clap, don't I? Um, so this waitress asked us, what are you guys, what are you guys here? What are y'all doing? And Marie said, well, this is Dave and he's dying out loud or he's dying or he's doing this thing. And I don't know what all she told her. But the waitress then said, well, we need to do shots. So, so, so of course we do. What would Dave do? So the waitress bought me a shot. And so Marie got a, a picture of, of the waitress and I doing shots. And she posted it on our, on our Dying Out Loud Facebook page. And it just blew up. And people are just going, wow, you know, you're, you're, you're going for it. You're living your life. And, and yeah, that's the point. I am. I'm not going to slow down. I'm not going to lay down. I'm just going to do everything I can with the moments that I have, and I'm going to make the most of them. And, if, and, and that is really living out loud, and that's, in essence, what the dying out loud message is. And here's the, here's the key, though. You don't have to have a terminal diagnosis to live this way. We can all do that. Life is just chock full of beautiful, powerful moments, like last night, like connecting with these people that I'd never met, um, some folks that came out to see us, the waitress. We had a moment. That's what I call life is not made up. I've got a, I had a plaque someone gave me years ago that said, we do not remember days, we remember moments. And I found that to be so true. If you look back on anything in your life, you don't remember the, the day, the week, the month. You remember that moment that something happened. That you connected with someone. I was doing a talk in Pennsylvania a few weeks ago and 
there were these three women. I, I wrote about it on my page if you want to look it up. There were these three women in the, in the third row. They, I could tell they were related. And I found out later there were two sisters and then one of the sisters' daughter was there. And they were Middle Eastern. I, I don't know the ethnicity, but not like me. Um, and they were very intense. And during the Q&A, one of them had a question about death with dignity and her mom had suffered and needlessly for years. And, and so afterward, they came up to me and the first one said, can I, can I have a hug? I'd like to hug you. And I said, sure, I'd I'm a hugger. And so we hugged and she was just real sweet. And then the sister, the younger sister hugged me and then the younger sister introduced me to her daughter who had, I could tell had been crying. And this daughter was maybe 28, 30 years old at the most. And she hugged me and just wept. And held me. We held each other for like what seemed like minutes. Half, half a minute maybe, but for a hug, that's a long hug. And she just wept and wept and wept. And I just came away from that. And I didn't try to say, what's wrong, darling? I didn't try to fix it or, or understand it. I just let the emotional moment be what it was. And what it was, was just a good human emotional connection. Two humans connecting on a visceral level, on a real level. I, and, and so I wrote about it on my page. And then each of them came on and made a comment on that and said, oh, that was me. And she said, I don't even know what I was emotional about. There was just something about me talking about dying and living that that caused her to feel something on a level that she didn't even understand. But what it meant to me was, and that's why I come out and do these things and travel, even though it's hard. And I could reach more people by doing podcasts from the comfort of my own home, which I don't really have a home. I live with people, but nonetheless, um, it's easier that way and reach more. But I want that human connection. I want that personal touch. I want that hug. I want those tears. I want that laughter. Because that is living. And that is life. And that we can all have that. And we all need that. And I think that's the, the key to... We're running out of time. I do pretty good. Um, hmm? I'm good. That's the key to what I'm talking about, what I will, will continue to talk about. The documentary we're working on is is geared toward uh, showing it's the story. It's gonna be the story of my life, but it's also, as the clip revealed, it's it's showing that we don't need a we don't need a supernatural deity in order for us to be kind, loving, compassionate, generous human beings. And the idea that Christianity has tried to uh, I think, hijack that notion that you need God in order to be good. Well, even though I'm in church, I just want to say that's bullshit. And um, I, I know that that's not true because some of the kindest, most loving, generous people I've ever known in my life are the atheist friends that I have in my life right now. I have a group of friends that... Um, I cry a lot. I don't know. What's wrong with me? Um, I must be dying. Huh? Yeah, because my foot's broken and I'm in pain. 
We were having a moment where a few of us a few months ago having a drink and watching basketball. Some of my closest friends back in Tennessee, and um, as, as it turns out, all, all four of us at the table that night were ex-clergy. We were all clergy members, clergy project members, and that's how we'd each met. Um, but one of them, Brian, looked at me as we were just having a, a fun night, and, and he's prone to be serious, more serious at times than the rest of us. But he just looked at me and said, Dave, I just have a question for you. I want to ask if I can be there with you at the end. And I said, hell no. No, I didn't. I said, um, I said, are you serious? He said, yes, it would be an honor. And uh, the other two, both Cass and, and, and um, Eric said, absolutely, count us in. We want to be there. I said, you guys want to be there and watch me die? Yes, we, it, we would count that as the greatest honor that we could have. And I said, I, I just don't know what to say. I, I've never... had friends like that. And I said, yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's going to be harder on you. You've got to deal with my body and stuff. I'm, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be out of here. And then you've got four more years of Trump, maybe. Not, you know, um, not my problem. Um, that's the kind of people I'm surrounded by. And that's the kind of life I'm living. I... Um, I don't want this disease. It's not good. It's, it's made life harder and it's going to get harder. Um, but it has afforded me this kind of platform, this kind of chance to make a mark, to leave a legacy, like was mentioned earlier, to say some things that are somehow impacting people. I, I do. I get messages from people all over the world pictures of people who bought the t-shirts and the bracelets that we have. We have bracelets, too much to go into. Um, we have stuff. And they're sending me messages from all parts of the globe, and it's just blown my mind. And the fact that I get the opportunity at the end of my days to say some things and do some things that are helping people has been the greatest time of my life, paradoxically, with the hardest time of my life. And so... All we can do when, when given these kinds of things is to seize them and make the most of them. And that's what I'm doing. And that's really all I'm doing. It's really simple. It's not, uh, I don't find it to be earth-shaking. And that's why it's continually hard for me to wrap my head around this thing that's happening. But we're going to do it. We're going to ride it as long as we can. We're going to Europe next year. We've got the calendar almost half-booked through next year um, about working on a book a documentary and I, I'm so thankful for I, I'm, I'm just thrilled to meet Greta we've known each other for years and it was just such a thrill to meet her I didn't know she was going to run over my foot but that's just <laughs> bonus bonus from everything um, but I don't know if you guys realize it but you've got a hero here in my book she's one of the top and I think you guys know that. Um, so I'm just honored to be here. We're going to do some snacks and stuff. And Greta, you're going to uh, lead us into that part. And then Q&A afterwards with whoever wants to stick around. She's dope.
Okay, thank you for that. I thought you meant I was going to sing the song again. Yeah, it's on. It's on. <sighs> Dave, thank you for being here. And Bevan, thanks for being the support that told me to back up <laughs> when I was on his foot, right? <laughs> and Marie for, for making this possible uh, for them and for the gift that they're going to give to so many people as this goes along. Each week, uh, we wrap our gathering um, by reflecting on the things that we've gathered into our hearts here and are taking out there. Because out there, there's really not enough uh, goodness yet. And out there, there's really not enough love yet. And out there, there's never going to be enough time to get it right. But if you go out there and you take goodness and you take love and you take courage and truth and you weave all of that into all of your days, then when it comes to the recognition that the number of breaths you have left are limited, you will know that the legacy you've left will be one worth leaving and that can shed that little bit of light that was you beyond your days. Find some coffee and some refreshments and come back and we'll bring some of that conversation into this space. Go in peace. a podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate.